Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1131 of the Juice Box Podcast. Megan is 34 years old. She's had type 1 diabetes for about two years, and this conversation goes in a number of different directions. We talk about hypothyroidism, PCOS, type 1 diabetes, mismanagement from physicians, maternity leave, DKA, metformin, keto diets, shaky doctors, and the fact that Megan ran away when she was 17 to Mexico to marry her husband. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink AG1.com slash juice box. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter. This is the meter that my daughter has on her person right now. It is incredibly accurate and waiting for you at contournext.com slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Megan De La Torre, and I live here in San Antonio, Texas, and I am a recently diagnosed type 1 diabetic. How old are you, Megan? I am 34. 34. Recently meaning this year? I know. Like, I literally was probably 31 going on 32 whenever I got diagnosed. Okay. And it was by chance. It wasn't even, like, I didn't have, I guess, the typical symptoms or not that I was aware of that were typical symptoms. Cause I have family members that they are diabetic, but they're type two mm-hmm. or that they even know of. And I've, I've encouraged them to go to the doctor and just tell them like, you know, get the test done to see if you are type one, because I was misdiagnosed, but they're so gosh, darn stubborn. But anyways, I <laughs> found out when I was about 31 or 32. Okay. What's your ethnic background? I am um, Caucasian. But I married a I married a gentleman that is from Mexico, so I had to learn Spanish, and I have a very Spanish last name. Yeah. So Megan, like I was like, so it, it it was meaningful because if you have a lot of type two in your family, I've I actually just put an episode up yesterday with somebody with a, a Spanish background. It was really common in their family, and I thought I'll dig that out. But you and I are looking at each other today, and I'm looking at you, and I'm like, that's a white lady. But you rolled through. De La Torre, like you weren't. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> so I guess it would have been easier. For- I know no one does. <laughs> Even the people I work with, whenever they find out that I speak Spanish fluently, because I actually, funny side note, I actually ran away with my husband when I was 17. My parents didn't want us to be together. And so I lied and said I was going somewhere else. And I crossed over the border into Mexico with my husband and lived there with him for two and a half years. Oh, Megan, you're going to be a lot of fun. Okay. So, um- yes. <laughs> So my brain doesn't work right. I'm trying to imagine the Mexican family that sat around pregnant and was like, let's call the baby Megan. <laughs> <And I'm, laughs> 
like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, <laughs> doesn't make any sense hey, at you all. You should hear my mother-in-law say my son's name because his name is Brayden, and she calls him Brayden. She doesn't know how to say it, so I feel terrible naming him a not very Spanish name. I'm, a, I'm thinking this is the equivalent of we would have named Cole Javier, and so there you yeah. Go. <laughs> it's like anyway, now it all makes sense to me. Okay, well. um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, before we talk about your, before we talk about your diabetes, <laughs> you're how old and you're dating him? I am 34. You're 34 I now, but when seven, you start, 17. I, we started dating when I was 16. And then when I was 17, he wanted me to go with him to Mexico and he is 10 years older. So he thought that my parents agreed to it and they did not. I lied. <laughs> Megan and I went with him and I called my dad when I got across the border and I was like hey I'm not really in at the beach I actually went to Mexico and I'm not coming back because I'm gonna have sex and marry a 27 year old guy <laughs> pretty yeah pretty much I was like he's the love of my life and I love him dad and he's like well have fun with that one don't come back to my house I was like okay I won't wait wait a minute they, and I, they booted you out yeah, my dad is very military. Like he was in the military for like 28 years. So he's like, he literally got so angry. He was like, my house is not a hotel. Once you're gone, like, that's it. You're about to be 18. Like, mm. if you're making this choice, you're going to settle with this choice. You're an adult. So do you think he was trying to get you to change your mind and come home? I think he was trying to scare me because over there in Mexico at the time, it was when the cartel was starting to get pretty bad. So I think he was just really worried about my well-being, but like in a very ugly kind of way. All right. I was going to say, so I have a question. Is it the Mexican part or the 27-year-old part that bothered him? No, I think it was just the fact that I went to another country and I didn't listen to what he was telling me to do because oh. he loves my husband oh, and say, he always has. Oh, okay. There's no prejudice here. There's no like, it was just like, well, why did you do yeah, that? Yeah, it was just like, I I just was headstrong teenage me, I guess, and just yeah. thought that this was the best idea in the whole entire world. And I mean, now it's a funny story that we all laugh about. But back then, man, it was not the funniest. He no. was so mad at me. Yeah, my wife got kicked out of the house for going on vacation with me. Oh, my gosh. We weren't that far apart in age. I don't think I've ever told that on the yeah. podcast. Have I ever said this on the podcast? Probably not. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. People are like, what's it like having a podcast? I said, there's this moment where you pause and think, I shouldn't tell anybody this. And then you keep talking. And that's having a podcast. Heck yeah. So my wife's in college. She's stressed out. I'm not dating her for, I mean, that long, maybe a year. And I'm visiting her and recognizing, hey, this girl's not okay. You, you know, like, like she's overwhelmed and everything. And I said, I don't have a ton of money. I was like, I have a little bit. I bet we could do one of those like, quick three-day getaway things where you jump on a plane, a couple hours later, you're on an island, you know, two days later, you're back home again. But, you know, it was like, listen, we couldn't, I couldn't afford to go and to eat. It was one or the other. So we packed like canned goods in <laughs> our luggage. Like, I'm not kidding. Like we brought like tuna fish with us to the Bahamas, <laughs> right? And, and we, you know, we jump on a plane and it just to get her away. Like she just laid on the beach to be perfectly honest. You know, she laid there, she relaxed. We had a couple of meals and we came home again. Aww. Months and months and months later, she was home for a holiday. I want to say Thanksgiving. And her mom snooped through all of her belongings, which apparently was fairly common and found the, remember they used to give you customs forms on the airplane yes. and you'd have to fill out like if you declared anything. So Kelly being like a diligent type A 
Catholic girl. She fills the, even when we're not claiming anything, she fills the form out very diligently. <laughs> I, I remember on the plane taking the form and being like, and throwing this right out. And like, but she's like, you know, filling it out. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Like all this stuff. She kept it in her bag and her mom found it. And so <gasps> her mom came to her and said, did you go to the Bahamas and not tell us? And Kelly goes, if you take insulin or sulfonylureas, you are at risk for your blood sugar going too low. You need a safety net when it matters most. Be ready with Gvoke Hypopen. My daughter carries Gvoke Hypopen everywhere she goes because it's a ready-to-use rescue pen for treating very low blood sugar in people with diabetes ages 2 and above that I trust. Low blood sugar emergencies can happen unexpectedly, and they demand quick action. Luckily, Gvoke Hypopen can be administered in two simple steps, even by yourself in certain situations. Show those around you where you store Gvoke Hypopen and how to use it. They need to know how to use Gvoke Hypopen before an emergency situation happens. Learn more about why Gvoke Hypopen is in Arden's Diabetes Toolkit at gvokeglucagon.com slash juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used if you have a tumor in the gland on the top of your kidneys called a pheochromocytoma, or if you have a tumor in your pancreas called an insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk for safety information. The Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter is sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast, and it's entirely possible that it is less expensive in cash than you're paying right now for your meter through your insurance company. That's right. If you go to my link, contournext.com slash juicebox, you're going to find links to Walmart, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Kroger, and Meyer. You could be paying more right now through your insurance for your test strips and meter than you would pay through my link for the Contour Next Gen and Contour Next test strips in cash. What am I saying? My link may be cheaper out of your pocket than you're paying right now even with your insurance. And I don't know what meter you have right now. I can't say that. But what I can say for sure is that the Contour Next Gen meter is accurate. It is reliable, and it is the meter that we've been using for years. Contournext.com slash juicebox. And if you already have a Contour meter and you're buying test strips, doing so through the Juicebox podcast link will help to support the show. No. <laughs> and she pulls out this customs form and holds it in her face. And she says, well, then what's this? And my wife goes, oh, yeah, it's the customs form from when I went to the Bahamas. <laughs> and boom, she kicked her right oh, out. Oh, no. Right right there. She just kicked That's her out. That's terrible. Yeah, was, but why, though? Just because she left the house or went on vacation or out of the States or what? Power move, my best guess. Oh, my gosh. I think she thought she was going to buckle and be like, I'm so sorry. And like kind of like fold. But what she yeah. didn't what she didn't count on was is that if that had been happening to Kelly through her life from her parents, that that kind of power thing, what they didn't count on was is I was a couple of years older than her, and my dad mm -hmm. left when I was 13. I had been running a family for 10 years already. Like I, if you throw a problem in front of me, I don't go, oh no, I fix it. Right. Kelly called me and I was like, that's fine, you can come live with me. And I didn't like I had to be honest with you, I wasn't looking for my girlfriend to live with me. I just I'm a I don't know. I fixed things like so like, you know, yeah. so we took her in. And I, I mean, there was always this part of me that thought like, they'll work this out. Like, this isn't going to go on forever. You know what I mean? 
man, I don't know. Like, I mean, we got married a couple of years later. I got her through college. Like she couldn't pay for college anymore. Like her family literally told her, we're not paying for school anymore. That's it. They transferred all of her student loan debt into her name and just laid it on her. Like they tried really hard to like force her home. But I was just like, I could handle that. Like, like, you know, like, so we, we kept going. I don't remember how old she was then. I mean, maybe 21, maybe 21. But she didn't see her family again for like maybe a year or so after we got married. Like, so it was like, it was just ridiculous. Anyway, I resonate with your story because there's this moment when parents just go say something ludicrous. Like her mom could have just said, why did you feel the need to go away and not tell us? And, you know, and right. I'm sure my wife could have then said to her, hey, well, I'll be you know, you've been unreasonable in the past and I thought you might be unreasonable. I don't know why I thought that, and, and, you know, like, but instead she just was like, no, I'm doing it. And so, and trust me, I, I, I didn't drag my wife there. I didn't kidnap her, but she wasn't like, yeah, f- my parents, let's go. She was nervous right up until yeah. I got her on the beach and the sun hit her. And then she was like, okay, this is okay. Yeah. Cause she's not thinking about them anymore. She's enjoying the moment. Finally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I saved her short term, ruined her life long term, saved it again. It's all fine now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as y'all are still together, it's a good story. I just love that you were like, I'm not coming home. I live here now with my, the love of my life, a 27 year old guy. <laughs> I know. Hey, we're still together. So it's even better, I think. And I don't know, it worked out. And no, it's amazing. One of those things to tell your kids whenever they get older, I guess. Yeah. After they're too old to do that. You don't want to tell you don't tell them when they're 12. <laughs> I know. No, I don't think so. Because my son will ask me all the time. He's like, how did you guys meet? I don't understand. And he's only nine. And I'm like, because I was best friends with his cousins that we went to high school together. And that's how I saw him. And I would go over there like a love struck little teenager. And I'm like, I'm going to marry you one day. And he's like, this girl's weird. Like, she's this weird 16 year old little kid <laughs> telling me that. And then we went on one date and it was history from there. So. Wow, look at you. Well, all right. So you're 34 now. Yeah. You've got type 1 diabetes. Tell me about your presentation. So it all started. Um, we went, so it was really weird. We actually went to Vegas during the pandemic. And I thought my coworkers actually started telling me, hey, you should try a keto diet because I had gained a significant amount of weight after having my son. I mean, I literally, I've always been about, maybe 130 pounds. Um, I'm only 5'5". Five five, so after I had my son, I jumped up to about 260, 270. Oh, wow. And my, my coworkers, yeah, it was, but I had gotten diagnosed after having him. I got diagnosed with hypothyroid and PCOS. And so anyways, I started a new job. My coworkers started telling me, hey, you should try a keto diet. That's what we're on and it works. That's great. And whatever, right? So it kind of went hand in hand. It was perfect timing because at that time, not knowing I was diabetic, it started kind of helping me. Well, I started feeling weird symptoms anyways, but I started having to go to the bathroom a lot more, like ridiculously, um, where I wasn't even drinking anything. And I was constantly having to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. The middle of the night, I would get up and I would do it. And my doctor's like, no, no, it's okay. Like, you're on a keto diet. This is pretty normal. But I had gone to the doctor so often, they didn't think to do labs, I guess, at the time, it wasn't something that was striking them as odd. Mm -hmm. And so we came back and I started doing guarding outside with my husband and I'm like, Hey, my stomach hurts really bad. Like I can't sit down and I can't stand up. I'm uncomfortable. I need you to take me to the doctor. Like something's wrong. This doesn't feel right. And so he took me to the emergency room on the corner and he said, the doctor came back in and was like, 
you're diabetic, right? And I'm like, no. And they're like, no, yeah, we're not asking. Like, we're telling you, your blood sugar is like 850. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh my, yeah. yeah. And so they're like, we're going to start you on some insulin right now, but we're going to send you home after that. And we suggest you start talking to your family physician. I'm like, okay. So I let them know. And then um, they diagnosed me right there in the emergency room as a type two. No questions asked. No, like, hey, this is kind of weird that you're this high all of a sudden when I had just maybe gotten my labs done with my family physician like three months prior to and nothing came up and they had done my blood glucose and everything. So nothing stood out to them, but I called my family physician, they brought me in and then I ended up doing blood work with them and I had high cholesterol, which it was like to the point where I should have had a stroke. Mm. They didn't run any other tests other than my blood glucose. And it came out that I was like at three something that present day. Yeah. And so they started me on metformin and then they started me on cholesterol medication. But then as the metformin at first, it started working. But again, I was on a keto diet. So it kind of was helping because I wasn't eating any carbs. I was literally restricting myself down to way even less than what my doctor was telling me. I was maybe intaking all of like 20 grams of carbs in a whole day. Mm -hmm. And so... I had started, I went from about 260. I started losing weight. I got down to about 190, but it was like in less than three months. Wow. You lost 70 pounds in three months. I literally, it was like within, it was so noticeable and it made me so sick that like, I literally, everybody kept saying it was the keto diet, that the keto diet was making me feel like that. Cause, and I was restricting myself from carbs that that's why I felt like I did, but not knowing it was because I guess my sugar had been high for so long that coming down from that or being that high that it was like almost like an alcoholic being weaned off of alcohol. You were using insulin at that point or no, just metformin? No, just metformin. So your blood so sugar is still high then. You're probably in DKA or close to it the whole time, right? So yeah. check, yeah, so check this out. So they put me on metformin and it was working at first, like I said, with the keto diet and everything. And then my biggest thing is I'm not like, I'm not a sweet drinker. Like I don't drink Coke. I don't do juices. I don't do anything like that. Um, but my my biggest thing was always candy. So I thought I did it to myself. I'm over here thinking like, oh my God, I'm a type two diabetic and it's the candy that did me. And like, I'm a terrible person. And, and so I'm very OCD. And so I started restricting myself on everything. So I started dropping weight like significantly. I started running every day. I started like getting into mad exercise. And then the metformin no longer started working anymore. It completely stopped. So they added on, I think it was um, for Sega and then they changed it to Jardians. So then I ended up being all in all at the very end of it all, I ended up being on five different medications for my diabetes, but not insulin. Well, my main doctor. Yeah. Give me a second here. Uh, no, I just want to make sure you went to urgent care first, right? Urgent care first, and then my family physician. So when care. you go to the family physician, do you tell them, I have type 2 diabetes? They told me that at urgent care? Yep. Yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't stress enough to people, if you're listening, don't go tell them what's wrong. Let them try to figure. It's nice to hear people like work through the problem. Not, I'm not blaming you, but you set up a, a narrative when you walk in. I have type 2 diabetes. The guy up the street just told me. And now that's the path you're on. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, I think by even doing that as well, well, I was actually lucky because the lady that was physically treating me at the time at my family physician, she ended up going on maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up getting another nurse practitioner that stepped in and she is amazing. And she started getting very curious about like what was happening with me because my sugars were all over the place. 
um, she put me on a freestyle Libre and then she's like, okay, something isn't right, but we're going to keep trying to figure this out because your sugars at this point, like I, she was really persistent. She wanted me to be on insulin. I said, no, like I'm type two, I'm not going to be on insulin. Like I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to get it under control. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, okay, well, the next step is insulin. I'm just letting you know. I'm like, okay. So I got it under control for the most part. But then I started that high exercise, like high intensity weightlifting. And Mm -hmm. so then come to find out when I was doing it, my liver was dumping glucose. So my sugar would skyrocket when I was working out. Right. So for like months at a time, I was literally like, in the morning. And then to top it all up, I have Dawn phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So when I would wake up in the morning, my sugar would just skyrocket for absolutely no reason, whatever it may be. And then it would come right back down and then it would be normal levels. And then I would work out and it would skyrocket again. And then I would be fine the rest of the day. Yeah. You know what I want to say here is Jenny and I are making, I don't know how much of the podcast to listen to, but Jenny and I are making this series right now that's aimed at doctors and patients at the same time. So to tell doctors, kind of the things they should and shouldn't do and to tell patients the things that they should expect or kind of push back against. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to go, it's going well. And I think it's going to be a great series that comes out next year, but we're talking a lot about language and it's interesting where that doctor goes wrong with you. When you say, I don't want insulin, you see insulin as an es- escalation. Is that the word? Yes. An escalation. Right. Like, like, oh, my diabetes is bad, but it'll be worse if I'm using insulin. She agrees with that. That's the problem. Like you could have dieted away your type two diabetes if that was your goal and taken insulin at the same time. Those two things are not mutually exclusive at all, but you thought they were, I understand why you thought that because that's the narrative in the world, but that a doctor agrees with that is insane. Like the next thing she should have said was, no, 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 you can do both of these things at the same time. Then we'll take you off the insulin. Yeah. It just, it makes me upset. I think because my head's so far into it, making that series right now. This is a classic story and fascinating. You're telling it really well. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Other than to say, Megan, I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I'm like the furthest thing from a doctor. And you had hypothyroidism and PCOS before your diabetes onset. I I don't know how anybody with eight minutes worth of like knowledge doesn't know to look for type one now. You have autoimmune, autoimmune already, right? I know. Yeah. So, So like in hindsight, it's kind of wild because I like get kind of mad like at the situation, looking back at it, knowing more now, but like even leaving the emergency room that day, I was like looking back at it. I'm thinking they didn't give me anything to tide me over until I saw my doctor. They didn't give me any sort of like paperwork that said like, Hey, this is how you can try to help yourself or like any sort of guidance, I guess. Mm -hmm. So here I am panicking and doing the worst thing ever, which you're looking at Google. You're, I wasn't even like looking at things that are like reliable. It was bad information to get go. So I'm like over here thinking the worst and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like it says my head's going to fall off. It's like, you know, like the worst <laughs> thing Google can even like come up with, like all the worst scenarios. So, so back to the whole dieting and the exercising, it actually come to find out I had a, I work for um, a transportation for a district, for a school district. I'm a manager. And so, um, we have to hold a CDL. And I had done a physical for work. And the girl told me after I did the urine sample, she said, are you diabetic? And I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, you might want to call your doctor. I just did the strip and you were spilling an, a massive amount of ketones. It, the strip is black. And I've never seen that. And I was like, okay, well, like, let me call my doctor. 
I don't even know what that means. And so she's, I call my doctor, she calls me back and she's like, don't worry about it. You're on a keto diet. I'm like, okay. She goes, are you having any symptoms? And I'm like, I mean, now that you say it, the only thing I've noticed is that my sugars are really high. I lost my appetite and I keep feeling like I can't breathe. Yeah, and I was should like, I worry about that? that? How about, how about no, the black on the test strip? By the way, my, my ketones aren't high. The test strip went, ah, and it died. I know, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like, right. it just went up in smoke. It dipped in the fire, like, incinerated. <laughs> I mean, like, so I'm sitting here like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm good. I'm I'm like, I'm in my mind thinking, like, as a dummy, like, okay, like, cool. Like, you, you're, no, you're the doctor. You're going to tell me the truth. And so I'm thinking, great, I'm doing a great job at this keto thing, right? No, not even two weeks later. It's the first like week of school, which is like chaotic. And so we're literally like, it's a Thursday night. I make dinner for everybody and it's like fresh in my mind. I literally made this keto, like wrapless pork, whatever. And I was like, within 30 minutes getting sick. And I'm like, oh my God. So I dump it out because I'm not the type of person that gets sick and I'm very careful with my food. So I was like, okay, I just gave everybody food poisoning. So here I am dumping pork out. And my mother-in-law was like, but that didn't taste bad. Nothing's wrong with it. Like, why are you doing that? And I was like, I just got sick. And she's like, okay, well, you know, I don't think it was the food. Go lay down. You don't look good. And I was like, okay. So I went and laid down, got sick again. And it kept going, but it wasn't like a normal kind of sick where you feel sick. It was like, I literally was like, throwing up and it was like not even the right kind of color. It wasn't even like a bile color. Oh no, so, d- dying looks different than regular being sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So here I am like thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm driving the bus and the pandemic, I've never gotten COVID yet. And so I'm thinking, God, I got COVID or something. Like, I don't know what COVID is like. I know you get cold like symptoms and that's it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, these kids got me sick. But then it still kept happening. And I'm like, anything other than like what it really was, right? Mm-hmm. And so I end up finally, tell I come to work sick. And my boss is like, no, you don't look right. Like, you need to go home. And I'm like, okay. I don't remember driving home. I remember laying down at home and my husband finally woke me up and I was still getting sick. And he said, I want to take you to the doctor. Something's wrong. Like I'm scared for you. And I, I sat up, I went to go from our bedroom to the couch and I couldn't breathe wow. and I couldn't catch, I couldn't catch my breath. And I thought, I, I think I'm dying. Like I literally well, you think were I'm right. dying. I was yeah, like, you got that one right. Yeah. yeah. And so they took me to that stupid emergency room again. And the, Doctor came in and was like, I need to send you out immediately. You are DKA and you are pancreatitis. And I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. What is that? And he's like, you could potentially die because your organs are already starting to try to shut down. That's not, it's just, I'm just keto. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, no, I've just been exercising. I'm great. He's like, no, I'm getting healthy. I know. And I'm like, how is this possible? And so he's like, but this is the crazy thing. It's like, it was only, my sugars were only high after I would get done working out. So my sugars on my freestyle Libre were telling me I was at like 90% for my sugar. Like all, like I was pretty much always in range. Yeah. But the range was also up to like 200, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. You don't know so what you're it talking was about. Like, right. Exactly. It's crazy. Like, so when I ended up in the ICU and they kept me in there for two days and my, now my endocrinologist, um, that's treating me, he actually was the one that treated me for hypothyroid, but I 
you know, dumb, dumb me stopped going to go see him. Cause I thought, you know, I'm healthy. I'm fine. He came in and he said, Oh, it's you. And I was like, hi. And he goes, so I want to test something. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I have a sneaky suspicion, but I'm not going to tell you until I get done doing these three simple tests on you that should have been done. I think from the get go. And I said, okay. He came back within an hour. He said, I need to talk to you and I need you to understand something. I said, what? He goes, you were misdiagnosed. You are not type two. And this is not something you're reversing. You have type one. And he goes, it's type one lava. And he's like, it's a late adult, like onset of diabetes. He's like, but you, he goes, you were born with it, but it, something set it off and triggered it now Mm -hmm. as an adult. And he goes, your pancreas is literally kaput. Like there's nothing it's going to do for you anymore. Right. He's like, so there's no more medication. He goes, I'll keep you on metformin if you want to. Because he goes, I know you're very careful with your weight. He said, I really don't want to. He goes, but we're going to do insulin right now. And so from there, like, even when I was in the ICU, they were having, it was so bad. And I was so sick. I was in there for like a week and a half. They had an insulin drip on one arm and a sugar drip on the other. Trying to get you balanced out. Exactly. Because they didn't want to bottom me out because my sugars were fine. But I was so DKA and have been DKA for over like a couple of weeks, I guess. You need a lot of insulin were, yeah, to flush that yeah. part. Hey, um, amount of time between the first visit to the local place where they said you had type two and the day where somebody told you had type one, how much time was in between there? One year. Wow. One year. Almost, you, almost yeah. to the date. Right. And you, and because it's Lada and it's a slow onset, you, you didn't just drop that. By the way, if it would have happened faster, your one year would have happened sooner and you would have hopefully run to the hospital and been okay. But your body kept helping and then stopping helping and then back and forth like that. Isn't that crazy? And I, yeah. I just don't even understand. You know, you use that phrase in range. And I thought that's like maybe the worst phrase that 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 people talk about. Like, and I don't just mean with diabetes either. Like thyroid. Oh, don't worry. It's in range. Well, my TSH is four. That's in range. But I have all these symptoms, but it's in range. And so you get these people in, I mean, in positions of power in medicine who don't really understand the details and they just, they pull up a chart and go, no, no, it's green on the thing. You're fine. Like, I mean, that's how you, that's your understanding of this? Like, great. Oh my God. Jesus. You have one kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, your husband had to save you. Because as much fun as it was when, you know, you guys were younger, now he's like, I'm never getting a girl 10 years younger than me now. I really got to hold on to her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm going to need her to take care Poor of me guy. when I get old. <laughs> like, I know. Get off the sofa. You're not dying, Megan. Get up. <laughs> like, yeah. That's pretty much. That, and that's funny that you say that because that's exactly what he said. He goes afterwards. He goes, who's going to take care of me if you're not here? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that's terrible. <laughs> He's typical machista. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I know how boys think. So, <laughs> like typical, like Mexican man, I guess you could say. Like he's like how in Mexico their culture is like the women take care of the men. He's typical. Like, no, you better get up because who's gonna make my food for me tomorrow? Because he would burn water if he had the opportunity. My wife got a little lippy the other day, and I said, "Listen, I'm losing weight now, so I think I, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not scared anymore. I could turn this around in two seconds. I could find a nice lady." And so you'd be careful. Also, my daughter, Arden, we're, we're driving in the car like the last time she was home. Out of nowhere, I've said this once on the podcast, but if it's here, she goes, you know, if mom dies, I could see you with a nice Indian lady. And I went, yeah. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, why? She goes, I don't know. I just see it. And I said, why are we painting a picture where mom dies? She goes, I don't mean like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that. 
I said, I don't understand this conversation at all, but okay. And then so we told- That got dark really fast. We went back and told Kelly. I said, you know, Kel- I said, Arden said that if you die, she could see me with a lovely Indian woman. And Kelly laughs and she said something like, oh, please. She goes, you are such a catch for like a middle-aged woman with type 1 diabetes. They're going to be lined up at the door. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, you're, you're having trouble Stop. dating. You're in your 40s. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She goes, she's like, you're going to be taking care of some woman's type 1 for the rest of your life if I die. And I was like, oh, you might be right about that, too. Oh, my God. Not the point. Point is, I got, your husband was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. We gotta get I think her that to the little hospital. light bulb. I know the light bulb went off like, oh shoot, like in a little accent. Oh shoot, I think you're sick. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. So this doctor, I mean, saves you from this problem. What happens when you go back to your doctor who for a year has been telling you the wrong things? Do you ever go back? I do. So she actually like I think she felt very bad because I was not, in her defense, I really wasn't symptomatic to even being DKA because I really wasn't, other than the not really having an appetite, I'm not really a big eater anyway. So I think that's probably what deterred her from even having like the thought of like, something is wrong with you. But she literally told me, I am so sorry because had I have known sooner or even had like any inclination that that's even what it was, she goes, but you were not symptomatic, like not typical symptomatic for DKA or anything. Also, I think being keto masked a couple of things along the way, right? It gives an excuse in their head at least. Exactly. Well, my thing is too, is like, again, I mean, in her defense, I didn't even have pain. They were asking me like, do you have pain? And like, because pancreatitis, I guess, apparently is supposed to cause you like severe pain. Mm -hmm. And I had no pain at all. No, nothing. And so it was just the only thing that they did when I got there was they started making sure that I was comfortable. They were giving me the insulin. They were coming in every hour, taking my blood. And that's basically it. I mean, I was just waiting for them to tell me I was good to go. And Hmm. I didn't have any sort of symptoms other than that. Any trouble eating pork today? Does it make you sick? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't even anything like that. Even honestly, like I try to stay keto diet, but then I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like at this point, there's no point like of even trying to maintain something like that. It's not especially because like if I do a keto diet, my sugar will drop so freaking fast because of this damn Omnipod that I'm like, <laughs> I can't do it. You're on the algorithm. You use an Omnipod 5. Yes, yeah. my doctor, I finally gave in because I was doing, um, I was on a Hemolog 10 and then on a, actually because of your podcast, I was, I was understanding how all of that works, but like bolusing and all of that. So I thought I was doing a great job, but he told me that with how severe everything was when that happened to me, he really, really wanted me to be on an Omnipod so that I'm not having to think about it or try to like gauge it myself and He's like, just take all the thinking out of it and just let that thing do it for you. And if you have issues after that, then we'll come back and we'll revisit it. He's like, but I really, really want you to be on an Omnipod. And I was like, I feel like this is for your benefit, not mine, but we'll go for it. Whatever you say. Now I'm not trusting doctors so much. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're, you have different thoughts now when people say things you're like, you might be wrong and trying to kill me. So, you know, well, I mean, I get it. Like, wait, are you an Omnipod 5 or Omnipod Dash? Omnipod 5. 5. Okay, so the algorithm is running for you. And yes. and when you eat keto on it, you had trouble? God, yeah. If I even, like, try to follow any sort of, like, strict low-carb diet, like, I literally will drop so fast. And it doesn't even... It's within, like, maybe... 
I don't know. Cause I'm pretty, I'm pretty terrible if I restrict myself. Cause I literally will, I'll go, I, there's no middle ground for me. I'm either zero to a hundred or like nothing at all. So I literally, if I go keto, I'm like not in taking anything all day long. I'll try to maybe do a bare minimum of like 30 grams of carbs. If I go over, I get mad at myself. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. And I'll, if, I'll drop. if you're wearing that device and eating not keto and then all of a sudden jump into it really drastically, it's going to, I mean, it's thinking about your needs from yesterday. And if your needs change significantly, then that's where you're going to be real quickly. So right. I'm sure if you stayed with it for a little while and you were strictly keto, I, I don't see why you couldn't run that system um, and pretty well, actually. But the problem is if you bounce back and forth from very drastic to not drastic, then it's going to, you know, it's almost the same as if you ever heard people talk about like, oh, my kid's super active during the week and not during the weekend. And, you know, so they get higher blood sugars on the weekend because the algorithm, by the way, this wouldn't, I don't even, really doesn't matter what algorithm it is, but like the algorithm's thinking activity, activity, and then all of a sudden it goes away and then it comes back. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I take your point. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I've, I ate very low carb once when I was younger and we did it to lose weight. Um, back before people called it keto and stuff like that, there was a, <laughs> you know, there was a, a doctor, can't think of his name. He had a book. It was really popular. And basically I just came home. We were really young. And I said to my wife, I was like, I think if we don't eat carbs, we'll lose weight. <laughs> so like, you know, I grew up incredibly poorly. Like I didn't know what the hell I was doing and she wasn't much better off as far as nutrition went. You know, I just remember making a lot of chicken wings and things like that. And like, you know, <laughs> eating stuff, like eating just a lot of like, you know, meat and uh, staying away from carbs and losing a bunch of weight. Like, you know, it was, you know, back then it was crazy. The, the Internet is why people name things. I don't know if people know that, like when you're younger, right? You know. Yeah, I don't think they realize that either. Someone came up with a brilliant idea of calling it something and then they just flew with it. Everything's branded now because it has to be because else how are you going to talk about it online or have a website for it or something like that? So now it's like, I'm keto. You know, back then that was called not eating bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? We call everything something now because it needs to be named because it's being it's being cataloged online, you know? Yeah. So there's nothing new in the world. It's just we gave it names now. I, I always find that yeah. even right now, like from the most drastic things to the simplest things from like, I don't know, from like Israel, Palestine to like, how do you eat? I love it when younger people like feel like they've just like, I don't know. They're like, oh, you know what I've noticed? I'm like, yeah, we've known about that for 400 years. Thank you. I'm glad you picked up on it today in April. <laughs> I know. Please run to the Internet and tell them how you figured everything out. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so funny. Um, all right. Well, you're alive now. That's good. You're using Omnipod 5, Dexcom G6, I imagine. No, freestyle still. Omnipod 5 doesn't work with freestyle. I know, but it's about to. And the guy told me that they are in the works of progressively like getting towards where freestyle is going to work with Omnipod. He told me to give him a couple of months and it will be. So I gauge it based off of what my freestyle says. And then I enter in the information on my a little device that comes with the Omnipod. Wait a minute. You're running the algorithm, but you're feeding the number in constantly? Yep. Is that not exhausting? A little bit. And it's kind of irritating because I'm still, I mean, it's almost like having the pen still, if you think about it, because I'm still having to gauge it. But I just enter in like however many carbs it is. I can pause it if I want to. I can, there's lots of different things that you can do on it when it's being ran manually. And so instead of it being oh, no, connected. Okay. You're in manual right now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, you're frying my brain. I'm like, you cannot run that algorithm without it being attached to a G6. I was like, what is she talking about? I'm like, there's no, I, I, I just now, I'm starting to Google. I'm like, that's not possible. I'm going to have to say no to that. But okay, you're in manual and you're, I, I see. So you're just running a regular pod right now. It's it's, it's yeah. basically like you're using Dash because you're in Omnipod 5 in manual. I got it. Okay. Right. So you, you've gotten away from the algorithm because you're switching from Dexcom to Libre. Was that a financial decision or why did you do that? I never did Dexcom. I always stuck with Freestyle. I never liked Dexcom, to be honest with you. But now it's caught my attention because... I don't know. I guess it was more so that I just got stuck on freestyle. I was comfortable with it, and I'm scared to do anything outside of that with everything that's oh, yeah. happened. No, that's fine. But what I what I want to say is, you've never used Omnipod Five in automatic, never. No. Okay. So you're. I got it now. So you went from MDI to pumping, and you were getting low on when you were eating keto because you didn't, you still don't know what you're doing with a pump. Like you're not kind of, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's almost like having a pen. Even when I was with the pen and I would do it, I was okay because I was, I don't know. Like I would get told like by some people, oh, you need to gauge it based off of like your net carbs or total carbs. Like everybody's opinions and differences and everything on like how you should be dosing yourself. Yeah. And so I finally asked my doctor and he said, it's whatever works for your body because some people, if they just dose themselves off of nut carbs and they're fine. Keep going with that. Some people may be total carbs and whatever. And he's like, it just depends. Because like for me, I can't do sugar-free stuff. Even sugar-free will spike me quicker than anything. And other people, they're fine. Megan, um, have you listened to the Pro Tip series from the podcast? No, but I just had someone that just got done telling me about that the other day on yeah. the Facebook. They were they encouraged me to listen to it. Yeah, you should. You You're not... There's stuff about how insulin works that you don't know yet. And I think, so I'm just going to plug it here. It's episode 1000 to 1026 in the player. And I think if you listen to that, you might have a number of light bulb moments that will help you. And Oh, heck yeah. Because understanding your settings better and how to use insulin is going to set you up much better for when you actually turn on the pod five from manual to automatic. Because if your settings are, I'm telling you right now, there's also three episodes about setting up Omnipod 5. It's in the 800s. It's, uh, it's a pro tip series about Omnipod 5. Uh, overview settings and something else. If you set that Omnipod 5 up in automation with bad settings, you're, gonna, you're in for a, a, a sh- storm. It's not going to go well. <laughs> like, so like you have to have good settings. And if you don't know how to use insulin right, then your settings are wrong. And then you're going to go into automation and have a lot of trouble. So I'm being serious. Take some time. Listen to the pro tip series, have your aha moments, get your settings better. You're going to have better outcomes. You can probably go back to keto if you want to or whatever you want to do. And then once you move to automation, you're going to have a much better time. I also think I'm going to either call this episode driving the bus or those little fuckers got me sick. I can't, and I think it's driving the bus. <laughs> it's my favorite part. Of the I like the latter, but just say <laughs> I don't think Apple will let it be in the um, <laughs> would let that happen. Because like that's how that's what I imagined you. I imagined you at work, sick as a dog, looking around, going, "Oh, these little fuckers got me sick." <laughs> I won't even lie. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, "Damn, these little fuckers got me sick on the bus," and I'm over here dying, and they don't even know, and they're all sneezing and coughing, and I'm like, "Oh, poor little Johnny." <laughs> hey, not for nothing. Can you say? Can you say these little fuckers got me sick in Spanish? And no, I don't even know how to say that. Not that I could like off the top of my head because you have me all nervous. <laughs> 
Wait, you're still nervous? We've been doing this for 45 minutes. Yes. Estos chis niños me pusen enfermo. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Wait, one more time. Estos chis niños me pusen enfermo. <laughs> I think. You think. Don't come at me if that's wrong. I can't wait for somebody to send in a thing and said, she just asked if my UPS package was ready. <laughs> oh my God. She's like, they called my mom something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're good. Why are you still nervous? You're doing such a good job of telling your story. I don't know. It's just because I get really nervous talking to people about it because now I have people here at work actually. And it's really sad that like, oh, and to top it all off, just to put this as a side note, um, my, the funny part about all of this, and it was like the worst thing to ever happen during all of this chaos. Literally after I got diagnosed with diabetes, my husband got diagnosed with type two. Well, geez, at least you know what to do for that. I know. And the great thing was, is that at that point we were able to say like, okay, are you type one? And they misdiagnosed you. And then it turned out he was just type two, but I was actually, cause he's not the greatest eater. He just, I mean, it's no, no shame to like the culture at all, but I mean, tortillas are not exactly like the most healthiest thing. And just the food in general. I mean, they use what's called manteca, which is basically like the lard or like the grease. Yeah. And so that's what they cook everything. And then that's not healthy either. So it's very like fatty, very like a high sugar, high carb kind of diet. And so like, I mean, shoot, even him in the morning, he would sit down and he would have, they call it pan dulce, which is like sweet bread and coffee. And he, I mean, that's like 40 grams of carbs right there and a little piece of bread. And you're talking, what are you going to eat for the rest of the day? Yeah. Like, you no, know, no, no. that's high. So I had to kind of reteach him. Is he listening? Oh my God. Yeah. He, when he first found out his A1C was like, at, oh, and mind you, when I first found out my A1C was like almost out of 15. Yeah. Oh, geez. Wow. That, yeah. So, and when he first found out though, he was lucky because he was only like at an eight something. So he was able to get it down and now he's within, I guess you would call it like normal range. He's only like at a 5.2. So he's managing it really well, which is good. I mean, cultural ideas around food are very impactful for diabetes, both type one, type two. Absolutely. I mentioned earlier that I have this episode that went up the other day it's this girl's like, she's type two, she's 27. She's had type two diabetes, like legitimately had type two since she was like 15 years old. And she's talking about how her parents cooked. And it's exactly what you just described. She said, we were broke. Yeah. It was a lot of like pasta, noodles, bread, sandwiches. Like, you know, she said, if I actually got money, my idea of like going and eating fancy was like going to like the convenience store and getting an Arizona iced tea and a bag of chips. She's like, that was like yep. a night out for me, you know? And it, it, she just said very culturally, the food is just, it's tough, you know, and they, it is. yeah, it's tough, you know, and, and you get used to it and you think that's what food is because you've been eating it your exactly. whole life, you know, it's hard. It's really difficult. I'll tell you, um, I don't know that without, without we if I ever would have like flipped it around for myself, I did not eat a lot. And I wasn't like a really terrible eater or anything like that. But I also don't eat well. Like I don't eat veg. I hate vegetables. Like I've like like my parents. I mean, I grew up where if you didn't eat your food, it was there in the morning for you again. And I don't know if you ever tried to eat a cold green bean twenty four hours later, but it's upsetting. And so like I have a lot of like <laughs> I have a lot of tactile issues with vegetables. I don't like the way they feel in my mouth. I don't like it's it's obviously childhood trauma from my terrible parenting that I was receiving around food. 
But that's not the point. We grew up broke. My parents didn't know. Like my mom opened a can of green beans and dumped them in a pot and warmed them up and handed them to you. She thought that she was like, she thought she was serving up cuisine. You know what I mean? Like, so I'll eat meat, bread, anything dry, crunchy. I'm all good with that. But you start like, if somebody asked me to describe broccoli, I was at a dinner with adults (laughs) and, and they were like, you don't want that. I was like, I don't like broccoli. And people are like, you don't like broccoli. And I'm like, no, no. And I started telling them about how it feels in my mouth, which got a lot of weird looks, but whatever, fuck them. And I was, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I said, if I had to describe broccoli to you, I would tell you it feels like little balls in my mouth because the florets have those little like, and they come off in my mouth and I hate that. Like, it's upsetting to me. Like, they feel like they're everywhere inside of my mouth and people are like, <laughs> people are like, just chew. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like, I want to go, you and I are looking at each other, which is on, like odd, because usually I would just mime this for like audio, but stuff like that in my <laughs> mouth, I can't even spit it out because I have to, I'm like, eh, like, I just want to, I'm like, please fall out of my mouth. <laughs> so I hate the way a lot of food stays. Now, could I fix that? I'm a reasonably intelligent adult. I should be able to go get good vegetables make them for myself every day and eat them. But I don't <laughs> So, like, I, you know, and I don't have you making my food for me, telling me, shut up and right. eat this, which is what's going to end up saving your husband, by the way, it's going to make you pissed at him, yeah. but it's going to save him. <laughs> so I'm not, I know. you know, because my wife and I grew up in the same situation. So although she eats vegetables fine, but it's still not her first thought, you know, like we just yeah. have a, I, I think I explained to Abby in that other episode, that even now, as adults who can actually afford to go grocery shopping, we still must look like just, I said, I think I said rubes who found $200 in the grocery store because, you know what I mean? Because we're just like, look at this. Do <laughs> you remember when we were broke and it sticks to you? Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, you, it, it's anyway, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, even if you have them. money, though, I mean, food is just expensive in general anymore. I mean, it's so much easier to go grab the cheap shit than it is to even go out and grab all the good stuff. And I mean, yeah, that's being honest. I mean, every week we're spending like probably 300, if not more on food just to be healthy. And it's like at the end of the day, how worth it is it? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously your health is worth it, but it's just crazy. And it's like, they're setting you up for failure, basically, you know, like they almost want you to be sick. This is going to sound strange. I had this existential conversation about the cost of things while putting air in my tires the other day with a gentleman who was also putting air in his tires. I'm basically having a podcast wherever I go. <laughs> so like, so here's the here's the lead into this and then I'll get you to the story. Oh, this is going to sound ridiculous. You know, this is, this is right here. This is my brain's like, don't say this, but here we go. This really old IROC Z28 pulls up, but it's in great condition, right? It's like a, I don't know how old they are now. They've got to be almost a 40-year-old car, right? Like, so this is a car that would have been amazing in the 80s or like, right? So, and it's in great condition. And then this woman gets out of it, who also looks like she must have been amazing in the 80s. I don't know if that makes sense. So this very hot 50-year-old lady gets out of... who I'm assuming would have been a really hot 20-year-old girl 30 years ago gets out of a car that would have been a really hot car 30 years ago, too. It was like they got out of a time warp. It was fantastic. That started the conversation between me and the guy with the air in the tires. And somehow that got over to, honestly, I don't know, but this this is very insightful about how this podcast goes. But somehow we got to what food costs and how things have changed. And I told him, I said, if you were in my brain and walked into that convenience store 
and just walked through and looked at the price and everything. I was like, you'd be incensed. I'm like, I'm like viscerally angry when I see what things cost. I was like, I was like, you at this point, these kids think a 12 ounce can of something to drink being $4 is reasonable. Yeah. That, that costs 30 cents to make if you're lucky. And they're just like, yeah, four bucks isn't bad. I'm like, they're just, they're, they're, I bought fucking chocolate chips recently and I'm in the grocery store. Why am I cursing about chocolate chips? Here, here's a, here's a tissue box. Cause I picked it up to put it in my cart. And as I was reaching to the cart to put it in, I went, this doesn't weigh enough. And I went, what the hell? And I brought it back and I flipped it over. The goddamn company put the price up, kept the bag the same size and took two ounces of chips out of the bag. And I was, I've been buying these chips for 10 years. I was like, this bag's too light. I was like, you charged me more and gave me less chips. You sons of bitches. And nobody's mad. And I'm like, see, we've lulled everybody into this happy thing where everybody's like nice to each other. Like you need a couple of people like me running around going, motherfuckers are ripping us off. And like, you know, like, and the kid don't know. He's going to go in that store. He's going to buy a can of something. He's going to grab a sandwich. He's going to pay 20 bucks for it and not think twice about it. You know? It's, well, you just hit the nail on the head. It's because they don't know. They yeah. don't know like what it was before. And now I don't know when it changed, but we've all been asleep and it's just changed. Yeah. It, well, like almost overnight. It was, co they used COVID. They were like, stuff's harder to oh, make yeah. now. It costs more. And we were like, all right, well, I mean, like COVID, I guess it's okay. Yeah, exactly. And then they just kept going. It's that those young people thing. Like I am like with my kids all the time, I always make a point about $20. Like, because the moment my kids don't think $20 is a lot of money, I think they're in trouble. Like, I really do. I think they're in trouble. It's bad enough. Like, you know, you're married. You, you get married and have kids. There's a moment where everything costs $100. Like, you don't buy anything. It's not $100. And then one day, it's $1,000. You're like, I never buy anything. It doesn't cost $1,000. I need a new phone. It's $1,000. I have to pay the electric bill. That's $400. And I have to go food shopping. Boom. $1,000 is gone. Like, like that kind of stuff. Like it, it's fascinating, but you get accustomed to it. The next generation isn't going to know any better. They're going to think that my house is worth like 2 million. It's happening. It happened to people in California 40 years ago. You're in a shitty rancher. It's not $4 million. <laughs> it's if a, if a contractor came out and built your house maybe cost them $50,000, $100,000 worth of materials to put your house up. They probably pay a bunch of guys next to nothing to do it. And then you're going to pay them $4 million for it. Like, okay, go ahead if you want, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, 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 go ahead if you want, I guess. Like it's, I build a house. Like I bought, my wife and I bought a crappy house. Like, I mean, if I told you that with the house of my wife and I bought, we got married, we had an apartment, we bought a condo. We got lucky and the condo appreciated. So we were able to get out of it with some cash, enough to put down on the house. This is how the American dream is supposed to work. And so we put it down on this like terrible house. And it, but it was on a great piece of property. We're like, all right, we're paying for the property, not the house. And we had this like very youthful idea. Like we're going to make enough money to build a better house here, by the way. Now it's not as easy as it may be. <laughs> it was a lot easier to say it than it was yeah. to accomplish it. I lived in a house for, I don't know, eight, 10 years where once we tore it down, we learned that the walls were insulated with crumbled up newspaper that when things like we once, <laughs> we once opened the drawer to our, our utensils where our knives and forks were, I swear to you, the face of the drawer had 
broken off so many times, like the the front plate where the handle is had pulled off so many times that we couldn't get it to go back on anymore. So do you know what we did? We moved the utensils to a different drawer and then put something that we never used in that one. And then it didn't have a front on it anymore. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like we were like, we were properly broke. You know what I mean? And in this really terrible little house. And then one day we made enough money to basically tear down the house and build a new house on top of it. Now that sounds like I'm rich, but I'm not. It was only a thousand square foot house to begin with. So not very big. You could stand in my kitchen and look catty corner across the house, right into the far corner of the master bedroom, the master bedroom, which by the way is our dining room now, which is how small my bedroom was. Um, Not the point. (laughs) Point is the only way we were able to afford to do that is that we knew the builder. And so we knew this gentleman who had been building houses his whole life and an older man with a real reputable company, but they hit a downturn and he was getting ready to lose his foreman because they didn't have any work. So I was able to basically pay him what it cost him to build my house because it kept all of his guys working for six months. So basically we did each other a favor. Basically I floated him a loan to keep his business open for six months. And in return, he built a house for me. If that makes sense. So, yeah, no. So I built a house for like that should, I mean, honestly, I think that back then it should have cost a half a million dollars to build it. And we built it for like $120,000. Oh, that's nice. When you finally see those things happen, you're like, so this is a $120,000 project. Materials paid all of his guys, did everything he needed to do, made money, right? And he would have charged me a half a million if he was in a better situation. Anyway, right. that's what I think of when I pick up the the chocolate chips. I was like, why are you, what are you doing to me? And and the kids, they don't know because they grow up and everything's so expensive. It's just what they think is right. Then they go get jobs where they're getting paid like, hey, kids are getting out of college. Money. Well, yeah, they're, they're making crap. And they're, and they're just like, they're barely dragging their ass through it. And then when they start moving up, it's fascinating what they don't think is a, a reasonable amount of money. And I guess now it isn't anymore. So yeah. I don't know. The, the, the point is, is that all leads to bad eating and situations like this where two generations from now, someone's going to be saying, oh, you know, the culture, like, you know, my husband, like seriously, 40, 50 years from now, it's going to be an Irish guy telling his wife like, oh, you grew up like this and blah, blah, blah. Like right now you're saying, honestly, right now you're saying my husband's from Mexico. He grew up probably with poverty and this is what it, where it put him. It's going to happen to everybody. And then this going to get worse and worse. So I don't know. It's upsetting. I'm getting old. It doesn't matter. I'll be out of here soon. (laughs) (laughs) We only have a little bit to kick the bucket. Whatever. I mean, I'm 52. You know what? I got 15 years, solid years. I don't mean I'm going to die. I don't mean I'm going to die in 15 (laughs) years, but when I'm like, think about it. When I'm 67, you think I'm going to be running around making a podcast? It's over. Hey, you never know. Just yeah. keep going with it until someone tells you that you're no more. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, look at him. He just came out with a freaking Netflix show. He's like, how old? He's still relevant. Maybe you'll be relevant 15, 20 more years. I just heard a really great interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I mean, he was just like talking about how he got through things and and how, I mean, when you really look back then, He's in Austria having this dream of like going to America and even just the idea of getting here was ridiculous, you know, and uh, hey, oh, yeah. he did it. So, all right, you're right. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be fine. By yeah, the way, exactly. he's had there a massive heart surgery and I think he's on steroids. So <laughs> I'm going to have to. 
<laughs> get some stuff together. You're going to have to amp your game up a little bit, but I mean, you'll get there. What, what, what should I start with? Probably like low, like do some testosterone first, right? Like talk a doc into like helping me get a little solid. Yeah. yeah. And maybe start dating an Indian woman after your wife dies and that'll get you on another level. The food I heard. <laughs> well, culturally, their food's not much better for you. So <laughs> actually Indian culture type two, pretty big problem. Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. imagine so, because they just, I mean, again, it's the poverty and they don't have any sort of knowledge either to even know that what they're eating is not healthy for them. And it's what it's what's at their what they're able to have and what's convenient for them at the time, because if you don't have money, you're going to get whatever you can with what you have. Even if someone here in America on the system, look at if like a woman is on WIC or something, even what's available to them for food with food stamps and stuff, it's not the greatest of food. It's also culturally, it doesn't matter. Like I, I listen, I know a couple of like, I, I don't know if they're affluent, but they're, they're comfortable Indian families and they still eat like they did when they grew up. Cause it's in, it's just like your husband. It's in his head. Comfort. Like, you know, yeah. It's comfort. Yeah. Yeah, it's and what it's we also do. comfort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want to go outside of it. Also people, um, they defend their team. I don't know a way to put that. Do, do you know what I mean? Like you could say to somebody, Hey, that's just a box of noodles like and it's got sauce on it and you're eating bread with it and drinking a sugary drink like this is all very bad for you and they'll go like oh my mom used to make this this is what we do do you know what i mean like hey what's the what's the sports world equivalent oh uh, people in green bay wear giant foam cheese on their heads because <laughs> right you'd think they'd step back and look and go you know, that looks ridiculous. I probably shouldn't do that. But no, it, it feels cultural and like important. You know what I'm saying? And, and Yeah, and they're proud of it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know that eating those noodles and wearing that thing on your head are any different is what I'm saying. You know? Yeah, I don't think so either. They even in Philly, like the things that like I grew up with that I think are like culturally, um, like not just acceptable, but exciting. I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. So I'm telling someone else a story, but it's my reaction to the story that's important. I grew up right outside of Philadelphia and I recently saw this baseball player, like a retired guy. I don't even think he was in the league that long. Tell this story about his rookie year. He said he's playing baseball in Philadelphia against the Phillies. He's out in the outfield. He's a rookie. And he said this woman like in her forties, like someone's mom is screaming at him the entire game. I don't know the guy's name. We're just going to say it's Megan. Okay. Megan, <laughs> look at me. Megan, look at me. She screams at him for innings. Megan, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. He doesn't look. Then he hits a home run and he said he's kind of feeling himself. So later in the game, hours later, he goes out in the outfield and he gets the nerve to turn around and look at the lady. Megan, look at me. And he turns around and looks at her. And without pause, she says, I'm going to fuck your mother. <laughs> 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 and I heard that story and I was like, good for her. <laughs> like, like, because, <laughs> because where I grew the way I grew up, I'm like, this is fantastic. She did it. <laughs> like she like, and that's a horrible story, Megan. Do you understand me? It's a horrible, terrible story. That woman should not have done that. It's it's not right. And my reaction to it was, I love that story. And that's cultural to me. Like, it really is. Like, I hear that story. I don't just hear funny. I hear the whole thing. I hear the story that I told once on here where there was a baseball player running off the field while I was at a Phillies game. I got the guy. The guy had lost an incredible amount of weight. 
it was like, actually like to the point where you looked at it and you thought, wow, good for him. Like he's really pulled himself together. I had that thought watching the game. Like this is good for him. But when he's running off the field, I yelled his name. I think it was Lance. I'm like, Lance, Lance, Lance. And he looks up into a crowd of people. And I said, I liked you better fat. And he put his head down and slunk into the dugout. And 30,000 people looked at me and they were like, yeah. And they screamed and yelled. Like, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. But it felt like it didn't just feel right. It felt necessary. <laughs> and like, but that's how I grew up. Anyway, <laughs> that's me relating that story back to the cheese heads, relating it back to you eating bad food. I hope you all see the connection. <laughs> Somehow, someway. And if that lady's listening, brilliant. By the way, I, I mistold the story a little bit. Like he turned around and looked at her. And she actually went, finally, you looked at me. Thank you. I'm going to f*** your mother. <laughs> hey, that's pretty brilliant. I like that. <laughs> I'm not even from the East Coast, and I like that. I don't even know what that means. Like, like other than she just said the what she thought was the worst thing she could say to him that would be the most upsetting to him. And why? Because he was in shouting distance of her, and he's somehow on the other team. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. It's like some sort of soprano shit or something. It's ridiculous. Well, isn't it funny you say that? Because yesterday, a woman my wife works with. Oh, I'm going to tell this story, Megan. This episode's full of like stories I've never told before. I like it. A woman my <laughs> wife works with, who I've never met before in person, but know through Zoom, comes to my house because a couple of people my wife work with are going to carpool to this to another state to go to this conference together, and. She's in the house, and somehow we start telling this story about when I used to work at, I'm going to keep this a little vague. I used to have a job, okay, where I was in a marketing department, uh, where I did the, um, the graphic design. And the way I got that job is a great story because I have no graphic design skills or education, but I was still able to get the job. Anyway, I worked for this person who was out of their mind, and I do want to credit them because I work very quickly now because of them, because they would, we had deadlines, monthly deadlines, and he would go around for 28 days, not do any work, and then come running at you with a month's worth of work, and it was due three days from now. And when he would get nervous that it wasn't going to get done, he would literally stand over your shoulder with a cup of coffee and stare over your shoulder while you worked. Like, so I can work under immense pressure. I'm really good at it. Like, seriously, like you could stand next to me with a gun. I could still make this podcast. I'd be like, all right, I'm good. One month, he comes to me and says, this is a long time ago before people understood computers and everything. I wrote something at home and then I emailed it myself at work, but I want to keep writing it. But my computer zipped it up. So it zipped it into a zip file, which I don't even know if it's a thing that people understand anymore. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, oh, I have a piece of software on my computer. I can unzip it for you. Email it to me. I'll unzip it. I'll send it back to you. So he does. And it's none of my business. I unzip the file. I put the document in an email. I send it back to him. I delete his email. I go back to work because I don't, I don't care. He comes running around the corner. 45 minutes later, where's my email? And I said, I, I sent it back to you like an hour ago. He goes, no, I saw that. Where's the one I sent you? And I went, I, I deleted it. And he goes, well, go into your deleted files and delete that too. And I went, okay. I'm like 24, 25, you know what I mean? So I delete it and he walks away. But as soon as he walks away, I'm like, yo, what the hell was in that file? Though? He doesn't want me to see. And then I thought, good thing he doesn't know there's also a copy in my sent items. And so I went and I opened it up and I read his document. <laughs> now, his document 
was a manifesto, like a rambling manifesto about the company. The CEO, the head of marketing, um, you know, the person he worked for marketing, the, the head of human resources, they're t- like, he like destroys these people in this rambling document that he's only writing to himself. Like it's not being, it's insane. Okay. (laughs) I take that document. I immediately save it onto a disc. I immediately email it home to myself and I sit on it. I don't do anything with it. I don't care. I just keep it. Why? I don't know back then. I just did. Well, a year later, my wife is pregnant and he's still doing the same every week, every month hold off, don't do the work, don't do the work, hurry up, hurry up, do it. And one day I'm working and he goes, if you don't get this done, I'm going to fire you. Kelly was pregnant with Cole. And I thought, oh, no, 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 you're not. So I whipped out that document. I reread it. I hadn't read it in a long time. He calls the head of human resources, like some, I forget how he put it, like some like sycophant with her head up the ass of the CEO or something like that. I, I printed it out. I printed it out. I went over to human resources. I knocked on the door of the director's office. She don't know who the hell I am. I opened, I'm a kid. She's a grown lady. I, I stick my head and I go, could I talk to you for a minute? And she goes, yeah, sure. I said, I came in, I sat down. I said, I told her that story. And then I said, so this is what he wrote. And I'm inclined to give it to you, but you got to promise me you're going to fire him. And she goes, I can't promise you that. And I went, you know what? That's fair. There's no way you could promise me that. I'm going to go on faith. So I hand it to her and I sit there and she's reading it. Her assistant's looking over her shoulder. They're reading it. She gets down. She gets the, I remember this so vividly. She goes, who's the sycophant with the head up their ass? And I went, oh, Joanne, I think if you reread that, you'll see you're the sycophant with their head up his ass. And she goes back and reads it and she goes, oh, yep, you're right. Thanks for coming, Scott. We'll take care of this. <laughs> anyway, oh, the next day at noon, he didn't have a job anymore. And we learned that the reason all this was happening is he was an alcoholic. He was like a, a raging drunk. So he'd spend, oh he'd spend the whole month drinking. Like he'd say he was going to meetings, but he would just go to bars. And then he would pull his head out of his ass for three days and do his job and then scream and yell at us to get it done. Anyway, he shouldn't have threatened my job. He'd still be working if he didn't do that. I tell that story yesterday in my kitchen to a woman I've never met before who's not from around where I grew up. And she goes, yo, that's some gangster soprano shit. And I went, what is? And she goes, what you did? And I was like, what I did? I was like, I just defended myself. And she goes, wow. And she wasn't put off by me, but it was it, it threw her off. And when you just said that's some sopranos, I was like, oh, my God, is that who I am? And I don't know it. <laughs> I think so, because it's like whenever the lady he's having the affair with calls the wife at the house and she's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, she had the balls to call. Like, that's you. You had the balls. She's like, no, don't call my house telling me you're having an affair. Oh, no, no, no. Like, if one of us is going down, it's not me. You shouldn't have sent me that email last year. I like and so I just anyway, after she said that, I started rethinking a lot of things because recently I had someone tell me this is going to crack you up. She goes, you're very direct. And, you know, my first thought was am I? (laughs) I I didn't even like, I really had like an existential moment. I was like, I'm very direct. I don't know that about myself. And anyway, I think a lot of people from East coast are though, but like, I swear I'm like 
meant to live over there and not down in Texas because people in Texas are definitely, they don't appreciate that. I like that kind of humor. Like when you see people on the commercials where they're like, hey, I'm walking here and they slam their hands on the cab. And then, <laughs> I love that. I, that to me is like, I would love being around people like that. Like be angry all day. Like that's great. Keep it up. I'm not angry. It's just, he tried to take my job. So he had to die. Like, I don't know another way to put that. I don't even know that that sounds unreasonable. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I would have done had he not screwed up, you know, all those months before and sent me that document. But he I I don't know what I would have done. I might have just quit. Have you heard the new have you heard the new abbreviation for fuck around and find out? That's what he did. The (laughs) FAFO. That's what he did. That's definitely what he did. (laughs) He pushed pushed the wrong person is what he did. But like but anyway, like (laughs) to think again, this kind of goes back to how you're wired when you grow up and how this can impact your eating and your health being very serious. I don't know that I'm a direct person. Like, like I don't know that about myself. I'm just me. Like, I'm the way I grew up and the people I grew up around and the situations and circumstances I came up around. And that other people who didn't grow up where I am would step back and go, wow, that's aggressive or that's very direct. I don't, like, I don't see myself that way. No. Isn't that interesting? Like, so. I think it is because you don't see yourself and other people. But you know what, though? I've learned the older that I get. I mean, I'm not. I would like to think I'm not that old. I'm only 34, but I think that the older I get, the more that I realize that people nowadays are very, very sensitive and they say things to other people like that are judgy. And it's like, do you see yourself as well though? Like they don't want to hear it about themselves, but they want to tell you Yeah. or they want to try to tell you like, Hey, you're aggressive and you're direct. Like what does it matter? Is it bothering you? I took it to, I actually thought about it. Like afterwards, this person who said that to me is like European, you know, they, they don't like, they don't live here. And she didn't also say it like, oh my God, you're a vicious monster. She was just saying like, wow, you're more direct than I am or the people that I grow up around. Like you just said something I would not have said out loud. And, and, but then she said, but it didn't hurt anything. And actually now we all are like, we all have a, a clear understanding of the situation. Whereas before you would have had your thoughts that you kept private to yourself. And I would have had my thoughts that I kept private. And we all would have just kind of wondered and never gotten to this point. You just like walked forward and said it. And I was like, Oh, is that wrong? And she goes, it's not what I would have done. And I was like, but it's not wrong. And like, now I'm like in my fifties, like examining myself. But then as time passed, all I thought is, this is probably why the podcast is popular. Like when people ask me why it is, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, so I, maybe it's just because. I think it's fresh to, I think it's a fresh thing though, because not a lot of people are honest like that anymore. And a lot of people don't just, you only live once. So why not just say it? What does it hurt? You know? Yeah. I know. That's I the agree. way I look at it. Well, Megan, I went off on a tangent today, but that's fine. And, um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. Um, you have anything left? I know you're at work. You have to get back to work. So I have one question for you about work. And then I just want to ask you, is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to? No, just I think that the only thing I can say is thank you, like to you, because just listening to your podcast and also like your Facebook group, it helped tremendously. And the people I work with even and my endocrinologist, I think it's just amazing because like you said earlier, when you referred me back to certain episodes, I mean, they do help a lot. It does make a light bulb go off for me. And I'm able to kind of like understand this disease because it's scary. I have days where I'm fine. And then other days where I'm like, 
so freaking exhausted just thinking about like waking up in the middle of the night because this damn thing's beeping or, you know, the phone going off telling me I'm higher, I'm low. And it's just, I'm so grateful to have your podcast and for you being direct and aggressive and saying like it is. And I don't think that there should be any other way to anybody talking like that on a podcast. Just saying. Thank you. I appreciate it's helpful. that. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy that, it, that it's valuable for you. I swear to you, go listen to the Pro Tip series. It'll change your management. Things will be more stable. And I think you'll you'll be happy that you did. Now, here's my question. How often do you get to drive a school bus? It just depends. This year, I haven't actually had to drive it. But last year, we were hurting really bad. I had to drive every single day. Oh, you had to get out of the office and, and run around for them. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. You know, back when I was a kid, my school bus used to go over this like hill it was like a it was like a train, so it had to slow down and then speed up, and then the back. I don't know if they're probably designed better now, but if you sat in the back couple rows of the bus when it went over the hill, it was like a springboard. So if do you know about this? So as it they still do it, do they? Yeah. So as it goes over the hill, you just bounce in your seat, and if you're lucky enough to catch the up on the bounce, you fly up into the air and. I one time watched a kid do it and he flew up in the air so far. He went over a couple of seats, like turning over in the air and came crashing down in the aisle. And we were all like, <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> oh my God. I think now that would make children cry. <laughs> like, you know, but, I don't uh, know. I've done that before. I've actually, cause there was a dip in the road and I didn't know that there was a dip in the road and I'm driving and I'm going the speed limit and I hit it. And the kids, all I saw, cause where the driver's mirror is, all I see is them going all this way. And they're like, can we do it again? And I was like, no, we can't do it again. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> you really can. I, there was a school bus driver in my town that went to like jail. Like they had like yeah. some sort of an accident. The kid got hurt in the thing. And, and my daughter got off that bus and said like, he guy didn't do anything wrong. And, you know, and they, they put him in jail for a couple of months. It's, I mean, it's terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. But anyway, they take a lot of that stuff serious. I yeah. mean, I mean, you probably should take it of, seriously. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's a serious equipment, but yeah, no, I just, I think sometimes so it just, it's sad because you've got that many kids on the bus. I don't think people realize that, that those buses hold 71 passengers. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. Imagine being in a bus with in a small packed space like that with 71 little kids. Little screaming kids that are trying to get you sick, too. Yeah. By the way, little. Yeah, person. exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I can hold on one second. Thanks for doing this. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. A huge thanks to the Contour Next Gen Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Learn more and get started today at contournext.com slash juice box. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, 
comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com.